Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been walking through this kingdom series. I can't remember how long we've been doing this now. A while. Uh, has it been good for folks? You, can, you don't have to lie to me. I, I, I got tough skin. Uh, I can handle it. Um, I, I, one of the things that I was hoping to accomplish with this is to... It's, it's kind of what you'd call a worldview kind of sermon series. Um, and what I mean by that is it's meant to shape your worldview on how you see the world, um, how you understand what's going on around you, when you see the news, when, when you read your scriptures, to, to kind of form and in shape, form and in shape, how about shape and inform, because <laughs> that makes more sense, it's actually English, um, your world. Your thoughts, your mind, how you pattern, uh, how, how, you, how you create categories for what you're seeing in the world. And uh, as I read through the scriptures this year, and each year I read uh, a different version of the Bible. This year I'm reading one called the Lexham English Bible, which was put out by Logos Bible Software. It was kind of, it was never meant to be released to the public. Um, it was kind of a, a nerdy scholars all got together and they worked on this in-house uh, um, uh, translation, and then they released it as the uh, Lexham English Study Bible uh, to the world. It's available online for free, um, and I've been reading that this year, and uh, each year I try to highlight or focus in on something different as I read the scriptures, and this year I'm focusing in on this idea of idolatry, um, and that's been a big thrust, a big emphasis in this series is that the problem in the world is that we, God's image bearers, have become idolaters. As Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, we have exchanged the glory of God, we've exchanged the worship of God for the worship of the created. Uh, We have exchanged it. And because of that, God is no longer king of this world. God has been usurped. His authority, his rule, his reign has been usurped in the world. Uh, The usurper is, uh, in the scriptures, called Satan. He has some buddies who help him out. Uh, They are the sons of God in the Old Testament. They can be the sons of God. The Elohim is the Hebrew word for it. In the New Testament, they can also be demons. Um, So you have these black hats in the story. And uh, I've made these little drawings that help us out, you know, my Venn graph. Um, and so we're going to look at that a little bit because uh, it's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, I talked about how we, many of us have the right king, but the wrong kingdom. We have Jesus. He's the right king. But we're still all about trying to make our kingdom the kingdom. Okay? And when you do that, it leads to frustration. When you try to make your kingdom the kingdom, you live a life of frustration because Jesus isn't going to get on board with your kingdom building tasks. Uh, He loves you. He likes you an awful lot. He wants you to have a good life. But those desires are going to be subject to his desires. Your will is going to be subject to his will. Now, obviously, you can thwart his will. 
You can choose against what God wants for your life. And you and I regularly do this. The word for this is called sin. We regularly choose against God's will for our lives, what he wants us to do and who he wants us to be. And, and so one of, the, one of the diagrams that we came across, uh, this was several weeks ago, and so we're going to go back to this. And Ben, if you could get that up on the screen, I hope I got him in the right area. One of the things that keeps these uh, worlds apart, um, heaven and earth are supposed to overlap completely. God wants to rule and reign earth. That was his plan. That's the idea from the beginning. And at uh, different points in the Old Testament, Genesis 3, Genesis 6, and Genesis 11, that rule and reign was messed up by us. And not just us, but it was messed up by unseen supernatural baddies, okay? To use the, 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 the British baddies, you know, they kind of throw that out there. The black hats. And so what we have here is, uh, Yahweh, God the Father, the one who's spoken of in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Yahweh, God, is in heaven. Uh, that's the unseen realm. None of us can see it. We haven't been there. Don't know anybody who's been. And here on earth, there are God's powers, principalities, that Paul talks about, that the New Testament talks about, that the Old Testament talks about, that rule and reign this world. Satan and then the ancient people had words for these. We just call it money, sex, and power. Uh, but the ancient people had names for these gods, Mammon, Aphrodite, and Mars. And so whenever you come across that trinity of bad stuff, and it's not all bad, right? It, it, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge. Because all those things, money, sex, and power, can be used for good ends. But they can also become insanely destructive in the world. And that's a picture of how God has made you and I as imagers of him. We have the power, we have the opportunity to either wield these things in ways that advance God's kingdom, or we can wield these things and use them to advance the kingdom of the baddies and even our own kingdom. And inside of us, there's this question of our loyalty. Inside of us, there's this question of what side are you on? Who are you serving? Who's king? And so we have Mammon, who's the god of money, Aphrodite, the god of erotic love, and Mars, the god of war or power. And one of the key concepts that I wrestle with, and, and, and I'm trying at this point, did you hear this communion thing, you know, where I'm really good at reading things and I'm not always good at applying things? This is the so what sermon, okay? Because for quite a while, we've been building this worldview up. It takes a while for us to all become aware of these things. It takes a while for us to start reading our scriptures in this way. It takes a while for us to understand this. And this is the, okay, I got it, now what? I understand that heaven and earth are supposed to overlap. I understand that it's messed up somehow. But so what? How do I participate in this? How do I par play a role in bringing heaven to bear on earth? Because most of us live like this. The next slide. Well, this isn't how we live. This is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live like this. We're supposed to live, as Paul says in Ephesians, we're supposed to be in Christ. 
We're supposed to be in Christ. He goes on and he uses really colorful, metaphorical language. He says, so put on the armor of God. And some of you, you might have read a book or you prayed a prayer where every morning you wake up, okay, right now I put on the breastplate and then now I'm putting on the... I'm putting on the I'm putting on the the belt and I'm putting on the shoes and I'm putting on and I got my shield and I got my sword and and you're like I'm going to go to work like this I'm a little confused and the whole metaphor you got to remember it's a metaphor all right it's describing what's to be true of you and what's to be true of you is this picture Paul he couldn't he, they didn't have vingrams yet what's to be true of you is you are supposed to be in Christ. And when you're in Christ, your sins dealt with, you get your, you get your identity from Christ. You understand who you are when you're in Christ and nothing can mess with you because the worst thing that could possibly happen to you on earth is that you would die. But Jesus He beat up death. Jesus kicked, punched, screamed out the grave and came out alive. He went through death and came out on the other end alive. The worst thing that can happen to you and I on earth is death. And Jesus defeated that. So when we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to concern ourselves about. That's why you can say, hey, don't worry. You're in me. And guess what? I got a thousand cattle on the hills. Don't worry. I've got you. I'm your safe place. I'm, your, I'm what defines you, what gives you identity, what tells you what you are. No one else can tell you what you are. I, Jesus Christ, tell you what you are. And that's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be in Christ. Our sins dealt with. We know exactly who we are. And we start to image Christ to the world. We image Christ to the world. We, t- we say, hey world, there's a better way to live. Right? An image bearer. We're supposed to be this mirror that reflects Christ into the world and then reflects the world back to Christ. That's who we are if all this is working well. The powers, we can see there's triumph. The powers are defeated. There's forgiveness. But if you're like me and you leave church, which will happen in a little bit, and somebody, somebody gets in your way, somebody tells you to do something you don't want to do. We call those bosses, right? <laughs> Uh, somebody wants you to do something that is not part of the plan. Or maybe there's a little voice that says, hey, nobody's looking. Nobody will know. Why don't you go watch that video? Why don't you go look at that? Why don't you go do that? Nobody's know. Nobody know. Nobody needs to know. You can keep it quiet. You've kept it quiet always. It'll stay quiet. And when that happens, this happens to our little diagram. All of a sudden, triumph and powers defeated are X'd out. Right? I could have put one on forgiveness because all of a sudden we feel like, bleh. 
all of a sudden, we don't feel so triumphant. All of a sudden, the powers are defeating us. And this is where the vast majority of Christians live their life. How do I know that? Because I won. I'm one. I'm a Christian. I live a lot of my life there. We live a lot of our life beat up, being harassed, bullied by the powers. We live a lot of our life in service to the powers, though we have been freed. And part of this is because we don't believe it. Why don't we believe it? Because death seems to still win. Because there's some internal draw in me to money and sex and power. There's something in me that just goes, I don't really think Jesus knows what he's talking about. And I'm going to go figure this out myself. In fact, there's a verse that talks about this, Galatians. Galatians, we're going to jump around a little bit. This is Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Uh, This is at the beginning of Paul's letter to the Galatians, the people in the town of Galatia. And he says to them in a prayer, well, this is before the prayer. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to rescue us from the present evil age. But yet, most of us live not rescued. From the present evil age. We think, oh, that'll happen in the sweet by and by. Na, 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 beautiful shore. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, it'll happen then. But right now, I'm only human. Right now, the powers rule. Right now, I can't win. I can't catch a break. Jesus can't help me. Right now, we live defeated. Vast majority of Christians. We live enslaved. We don't live as rescued. We don't live as we were meant to live. Galatians continues in verse, this is actually, we're going to jump to chapter four because, you know, you guys want to get out here. Um, So also, When we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Now, I'm going to stop and comment on this really quickly. Paul is talking about how we are enslaved to spiritual forces. We were enslaved to them while we were underage. And he's using this language to help you understand that uh, when you were younger and little and you didn't know stuff, you were enslaved to these powers. Unfortunately, though, most of us, even after we know this stuff, still live as enslaved. Paul's going to get to that. Verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Next verse. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Man, circle, highlight, underline, adoption. You see, we used to be slaves. We were not God's kids. But then he sent Jesus, and Jesus was born under the law. 
He lived as a man under the law. And then he freed us from the law. He freed us from sin. He freed us from death. And a couple of verses later, Paul says this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Now, Paul's not saying they're not, they're not, they don't exist. They're not gods. Does that make sense? He's saying they're not Yahweh. They're not the one true God. They parade around and act like it. They parade around and act like, hey, you got to give me your all, your all in all. You've got to give me your complete and utter allegiance, says Mammon. To get ahead in life, you got to pay attention to me. Do everything you can to get more of me. Aphrodite, you want to have a happy life? You want to be, you want to be popular with the opposite sex? Do these things. Aphrodite in our culture goes so far, all these gods who are not gods, go so far as to to give people identity, who they are. I have friends. This is the part of Facebook I hate because in years past, you would have lost track of these people, right? I mean, I still like them and stuff, but I wouldn't know things about them that I now know. This past week, I found out a good friend of mine who's a pastor, he and his wife are divorced. We lived next door to them during seminary. Good friends of ours. And now my heart just broke to find out they're divorced. And I don't know the whole story, but I sense that adultery, unfaithfulness played a part. And that's Aphrodite saying, you're not happy, are you? Should fix that. I mean... Watch these movies. See these romantic comedies. None of these people are married. That's your problem. You're married. How many of you, can I get an amen? You're not happy because you're married. Anybody? (laughs) See, I mean, none of us will say it. But people act like they're not happy all the time when they're married and they're unfaithful. And Aphrodite is offering an identity to people. I have another friend. He actually came and he spoke at this church, a missionary from Tajikistan. He is now a her. He is now identifying as a woman. And he is buying some of the lies. Now, it's a complicated thing. I get it. I understand. It is a very complicated issue. But at a point, he is allowing not Christ to tell him who he is, but how he feels to tell him who he is. Did you know that if I let how I feel tell me who I am, I wouldn't have been here today. I mean, until I came up with this really good sermon that I'm excited about. You probably wouldn't have been here today. I mean, if we let feeling run amok in us, if we let feeling identify us, define who we are, oh my gosh. And isn't that where our culture's heading? Feelings? Well, I don't feel like you're right. Well, I don't feel like you're right. Well, I feel like your feelings aren't right. Well, I feel like hitting you. Well, you shouldn't because that's a hate crime. I feel like I hate you. I feel like I want to create a crime against you. 
I mean, where does it end? If feelings define who we are, if Aphrodite is allowed to define who we are, oh my gosh. And Mars, power. (laughs) Wow. Just watch. Watch the political cycle. Watch the news cycle. You know who really has the power in this world? It's the lobbyists and it's the media. The media shapes public opinion. The media tells you whether something happened or didn't. The media turns a blind eye to most things that go on in this world. Trump's probably right when he calls it fake news. Now, I don't agree with all the stuff he calls fake news, but there are terrible atrocities being committed against the church all around the world, and you never hear any of that on CNN, on Fox News, on anything. It's not newsworthy because those who are in power decide what you're going to hear. In fact, there's more and more critique of our media and the power it wields to form you. And not just the media. I'm not just talking about news and those kind of things. I'm talking about the internet. If you were to use my computer with Google and do a search for something, and I were to go and use your computer, and if you are a regular user of Google, did you know our search results would be completely and utterly different based on how we've used Google in the past? The entire thing is being utterly and totally siphoned, filtered to you, catered to you. So you only get the news you like. So you only see those sites you visit. You won't see sites you don't like and don't visit because Google figures that out about you. Through math, go figure. You see, power is also something that, that we want, we crave, we desire, we use. So the so what part? Now what? How do we deal with these gods? How do we deal with these powers? Why do I feel enslaved to these? Well, Paul, he says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, (laughs) how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Yeah, how is it that I'm turning back to Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Isn't that great rhetoric? I mean, we don't think of it like that. We think, no, I am enslaved by them. I've got no choice. I have to do this. I have to work 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. I can't take a Sabbath. I can't can't spend time with my kids. I have got to do this or else ah, it's all dependent on me. If I don't produce, if I don't get her done, man, your God's small. You know why your God's so small? Because your God's you, and you're tiny. How do I know that? Because I've seen pictures of planet Earth from beyond, beyond the orbit of Pluto. And do you know how big planet Earth is from out there? It's a pixel. 
If your livelihood, if you're being taken care of depends on you, good luck. Well, I, I can't say no. I can't not look at those images. I can't not watch these videos. I can't not do that. It's just it's what happens. I mean, it's difficult. It's hard. It's almost cruel to deny myself. God's not big enough to fix that, to help you, to give you recourse and resources. So what do we do with these things that we are enslaved to? Well, when it comes to mammon, and these are, uh, I've written these out because some of you like to take notes. When it comes to mammon, we need to know how to use money, particularly how to give it away. (laughs) That's the only thing that breaks the power of greed in your life is to give it away. It's almost, an it's not, it's an act of defiance against the God of mammon. Hey, mammon, watch this. Oh, you can't do that. Who's going to take care of you? How are you going to make ends meet? What's going to happen if you don't have enough? Oh, you could have used that for something you want. You, does anybody have this voice in their head? Its name's mammon. And it's in competition with the, with the voice of Yahweh, with the voice of God who says, be generous. Live open-handed. Give it away. I gave it to you so you could be a blessing to others. You've got enough. You live in the Walt Disney world of human history. Give it away. Defy the God of Mammon. Aphrodite, well, how do we deal with her? When it comes to Aphrodite, we need to know how to celebrate and sustain marriage. How to celebrate and sustain celibacy. And how to counsel and comfort those who in either state find themselves overwhelmed with conflicting and contrary desires. That's what the church has to do. That's what Christians need to do. Celebrate and sustain and value and honor marriage. I did a wedding this past week. It was a lot of fun. And when I, my first comments when I do a wedding is I, t- I say, God established marriage. God gave us 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 marriage. I say it three, four, five, nine, a lot of times. And at the end I say, therefore, because God has given us marriage, therefore, let marriage be held in honor among all. Who gave us marriage? God, how did you know that? Because I told you. Because the Bible tells me so. This isn't a human institution that you, cru- you just go, uh, let's just make it up as we go along. Let's figure this out. God gave us marriage. How did he do that? Adam's first day of work was this. Yo, Adam, I'm going to parade all the animals in front of you, and you're going to name them. Okay. And you can see that Adam was way into it right at the beginning because he trotted out this huge, gray, floppy-eared beast, and he says, elephant. And then right after that, hippopotamus. 
I mean, we're lots of syllables. Rhinoceros. See if you can spell that one, God, right? And then you can see when the steam starts to leave Adam. Deer. Dog. Cat. Finch. I mean, it's, it's like flea. Fly. Oh my gosh. Right? You know why the, he ran out of steam, probably? I can't talk to the animals. I'm lonely. That was the point of the whole day's work. Adam, would you like to have a friend? And God puts him into a deep sleep. He makes woman. And Adam says, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, which is Hebrew for, wow, she's good looking. And God gave Adam Eve. And then it goes on and it gives us theology that says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and he will cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Who said that? Where did that concept come from? Who gave us it? The Supreme Court of the United States of America, right? The Constitution. God. Human opinion. God. To counter, to work against Aphrodite, celebrate and sustain marriage. Here's a so what for you right now. All those who are married, stay married. Stay married. Stay committed. Stay faithful. If you're having troubles with that, get help. Talk to somebody. Be honest. Deal with your stuff. Stay married. Guess what? I know it's hard. Why? Because kingdom of Steve and kingdom of Marnie don't see life the same. <laughs> right? I know it's hard. It, but stay married. Some of you need to write that down. For those of you who are single and want to be married and have sexual desires, be celibate. Be celibate. Oh, that's like a big, dirty word. No. It's called discipline. It's called self-control. Self-control, it's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you will yield to Yahweh, one of the fruits He will give you is self-control. Self-discipline. Patience. If you are single and you have sexual desires, be celibate. Don't act on them. Don't allow Aphrodite to talk to you. You know what? She's good looking. You're just going to be frustrated? You're just going to be irritated about this? Why don't you do something about it? There's the internet. There's showtime. There's cable television. Heck, there's the segues to the commercials during the Broncos games. 
There's those magazines at the, at the store. You're going to fight this? Seriously? You see, Aphrodite wants you to believe that if she is so powerful that you are her slave. And Jesus wants to say, you're going to go back to that? I kicked her teeth in. I'm standing on her neck. You don't have to listen to her. You can have patience. You can have self-control. You can, you can win. You don't have to give in to this. You have choices. One of the things that I've learned in this regards, because before I was a pastor, I was a person. The Lord's Prayer. Did you pray the Lord's Prayer today? Anybody? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? I mean, we say it so fast. I was busy moving papers around, and I was doing that just to make a point because I knew I was coming back to this later in my sermon because we put it on autopilot when we say it. But did you hear the very end of that? And deliver us, or lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. Did you ever go, so does that mean God leads me into temptation? (laughs) That's a weird way to put it. No, it's not what it means. A paraphrase that I found this past week that I think is, is insanely valuable and helpful. It should be on the screen. Don't let the evil one catch us in his trap. Don't let the evil one catch me in his trap because he wants to enslave me. He wants to keep me under so I don't know who I am. If the opportunities to sin present themselves, grant that I won't have the desire. And if the desire to sin springs up within me, because that happens, grant that I won't have the opportunity. Man, that's a good prayer. Some of you, that needs to be a daily prayer. Well, that's Aphrodite. When Mars, power, what do we do? So what? We need to understand that the heart of the gospel is a redefinition of power. I've gotten a little long. I've got 30 more minutes, so you guys are just going to have to. <laughs> just kidding. I've got to hurry, though. <laughs> I told you it was good and I'm excited. Uh, the gospel of Jesus summons us to believe that the power of self-giving love unveiled on the cross is the real thing. That that is real power. Self-giving love is the real power in the world. The power that made the world is this power. It's the power that made everything, made you. It's self-giving love. Can't you see how everything in this world runs contrary to that? Everything is about me and mine and keep it. No, I'm not going to give this up and I'm not, you're not taking this from me. And everything becomes power struggles. That's the only way the world knows how to do it. Sadly, that gets regularly adopted by churches. Gets regularly adopted by Christians. Because we're not convinced that the most powerful power in the world, we're not convinced that the true nature of power is self-giving love. 
And then we go watch a movie like Shawshank Redemption. And we're like, that was powerful. That dude was like in a seriously nasty battle in World War II without a gun. And saved people. (laughs) What do you want to bet God had something to do with that story? What do you want to bet God wanted to say, you want to see real power? Watch this fool run around without a gun. Watch him drag people off the battlefield. Watch him bring life into death. Watch him be an image bearer. You really want to think that God had nothing to do with that story? You see, I want to show you a video that is so powerful, and I'll probably cry. Um, On Palm Sunday, the Coptic church in Egypt, there were two churches that were bombed by suicide bombers, ISIS. And 75 worshipers were killed in these churches. And there was a man, his job was to be a guard at the door at St. Mark's Cathedral. And the attacks were in Alexandria. And his name, it's kind of a fun name to say, I want to make sure I say it right. Nassim Fahim. Nassim Fahim was a guard at the door at St. Mark's Cathedral. And he tried to stop the suicide bomber. And he's probably the first of those Christian brothers and sisters that died that day. He saved, though, many lives because the bomber wasn't able to get into the church like he wanted. And some of the lives he saved were the lives of his sons and his wife. And Egyptian TV sent a reporter out to talk to her. And it was on an Egyptian TV show. It's, it, it, it'd be like our Larry King or, you know, one of those. Is he on anymore? I got to get, I got to update somehow. Who's the Anderson Cooper or one of those guys? It'd be like one of those TV shows. This is the most well-known talk show host in Egypt. Now, I got to warn you. Egyptians speak Arabic fast. And you don't know what it is. Arabic. Fortunately, the Bible Society has translated it for us, and there's, little, there's a little thing at the bottom, and see if you can keep up, okay? Because, I mean, they talk fast, all right? And I know you're not going to get it all, but you're going to get the gist of what's going on, okay? You're going to get the gist of what this woman says, of what the wife of this martyr says. Have you been warned well enough? All right. Ben, would you show that video? At this time, we encourage you to pause the audio and watch the video that we've linked to so you know what I'm referring to for the rest of the sermon. I don't know if you caught what she said. I didn't. (laughs) She forgave the man who blew up her husband. And the commentator obviously is not a Christian. And to say that the Egyptian Christians are made of steel... You know, this has had such an impact on the Muslim community in Egypt. You see, the way of Christ is the way of the cross. 
In Matthew 16, he said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross daily and come after me. And the Egyptian Christians understand. They understand what it means. And they understand that the way forward, the true power in this world is not a gun. It's not an army. It's not a knife. It's self-sacrificing love. It's cross-shaped. It was modeled to us by Christ. And if we follow this way, there will be suffering and persecution. If we follow this way, it will be difficult. It will be hard. It will be sacrifice. That's what a cross is. And I love how he said, Egyptian Christians are made of a different substance. Heavenly Father, May those things be spoken of Christians in America. That we are made of a different substance than the world around us. That we are no longer enslaved by mammon or Aphrodite or Mars. That we serve Christ, him crucified, him buried, and him risen. May we pick up our crosses and follow him. Holy Spirit, make it so. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and make you out of steel. Make you out of a different substance as an image bearer of Christ. Amen.